Howdy, everyone. If you enjoy the show, join our free Discord. Link in the description and chat with the cast. Please leave a review and consider joining our Patreon for behind-the-scenes content and more. Tears start at a dollar, and even that helps us out. To stay up-to-date with episode releases and more, follow us on Twitter at Riftway Podcast. Good evening, Rifters! This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e d podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Remy, Dungeon Master and a player on the Riftwake podcast. I'm Mitch, a player on Riftwake and a D&D enthusiast. And today's topic is bloodied. Mitch, when it comes to D&D, what does the word bloody refer to? FL. Correct. Can you tell me about how it appears in the 5th edition books? I don't think it does, does it? It appears once. So really? in the it does. So in the DMG chapter 8 running the game, there is a couple of paragraphs about how to track monster hit points. So wait, what? Sorry, quick tangent, but just in the paragraph above uh, where it is talking about keeping track of monsters, they mention just the descriptions of three identical ogres of how to differentiate them. And the descriptors are ogre with scar, ogre with helm, and ogre who smells like poo. I mean, I would just go ogre one, ogre two, ogre three, but, you know, that works Yeah, too. I mean, that's the second one, is that they have it just ogre A, B, C. Which I get no, distracted like by just... Yeah. They literally just have it written <laughs> P, not poop or dung or they actually just wrote so it was like poo, P-O-O. All right. So straight from the DMG here. Players often ask how hurt a monster looks. Don't ever feel as though you need to reveal exact hit points. But if a monster is below half its hit point maximum, it's fair to say it has visible wounds and appears beaten down. You can describe a monster taken to half its hit points as bloody, giving the players a sense of progress in a fight against a tough opponent and helping them judge when to use their most powerful spells and abilities. So yeah, bloodied is a descriptor for when a monster is reduced to half its hit point maximum. Of course, it's not just usable for monsters. This is often used by players too to just mention, hey, you're looking a little beaten down or just a way to just know Excuse me. As a way to just know when any character, PC or NPC, just has been sufficiently injured. So this is something that, as far as I know at least, actually did get introduced in 4th edition, where Bloodied was a much more commonly talked about descriptor to just help describe when something is at half hit points. But even though it is very, very briefly mentioned here in the 5e DMG, it doesn't get used by a lot of DMs, which, to be honest, confuses me. Because in a fight against some powerful creature, like, it's not just, you know, a hit point pinata. Your, your characters are just going to be, like, let's say they're fighting a red dragon or some such, and they just smack it, smack it, smack it, smack it, smack it, smack it, oh, it's dead now. Like, there's no sense of progress if you don't have some description, something that tells or shows that there is progress being made. 
or also a way to show that progress is not being made. After all, if you make use of bloodied and a significant amount of time has gone by and a creature isn't bloodied, then that's a hint that what they're doing isn't working and they, they need to just use their more powerful abilities. Or maybe it's just resistant or immune to you know, like, uh, physical damage types and they just need to you know, hold it still to let the magic-using characters hammer it a little bit more. Again, the point being, strategy... Or like, don't waste all your arrows shooting at an ooze or, you know, <laughs> yeah, at a runny. There's a lot to the strategy side of D&D, to the actual just combat tactics that just doesn't come up as often as I would like, personally. This is one of those areas just that I am honestly very interested in. I like the idea of medieval battle tactics and just the idea of that in D&D of how do you try just dealing with a dragon? How, in a world of you know, sword and sorcery, do you just fight and deal with the various people and creatures that exist that come up against you? Like, there is a lot of options in the game of D&D. And again, having some sense of progress in the fight is honestly underappreciated. However, there is another aspect of bloodied that is something i actually miss from fourth edition special that abilities I, that i really want to bring more into fit so tell me mitch have you ever heard someone say the phrase as a result of being bloodied nope never <laughs> yes i have jason uh, yeah uh, that's also why i loudly exclaimed special ability <laughs> Correct. So, uh, Jason Massey of Dungeons and Randomness fame is pretty well known for making use of this mechanic, and it is something that I very much do credit him for just making me so very interested in this, which is back in 4th edition, there were a lot of creatures that had a reaction ability when they got bloodied. And this is something that massively increased the danger of those creatures. Because so many times you'll have villains or just monsters that just roll shit for initiative. So then if there is surprise and then they just have a low initiative then they just get beaten to death before they can do anything. So having a reaction ability for powerful creatures is a massive benefit to allow them to just act in a combat encounter, even if they do have a not great initiative. Because again, in 5th edition particularly, action economy is a big fucking deal. So if you do have, you know, the attempt at a boss fight, it's just not going to go well unless you do have something up their sleeve to make it just not be a five-on-one beatdown, because it's going to be between stuns and incapacitating and 
all of the many, many spells and abilities that player characters have access to, having some form of reaction is really underappreciated. And it's something that I did just notice. If you look through a lot of the legendary monsters, legendary actions are the 5th edition attempt to have the kind of reaction abilities, because this is actions that take place at the end of other creatures' turns. So that is something. But to be honest, even legendary creatures, the legendary actions are generally pretty lame. So to give a more specific example, uh, how familiar are you with red dragons? Not very. <laughs> All right. So for the sake of this example, I'm just going to focus on the adult red dragon. Just classic, classic D&D creature in the name. So part of what makes dragons so dangerous is their, their breath weapon. So the adult red dragons is a 60-foot cone for 18d6 fire damage. On the other hand, their legendary action is to make a tail attack for 2d8 plus 8, or a wing attack, which is a 10-foot AoE for 2d6 plus 8. So not exactly huge chunks of damage for their legendary actions. However, back in 4th edition, dragons had one of my favorite as a result of being bloodied, reactions. Which was, their breath weapon recharges, and they use it. So think about the massive difference that makes in the threat of a dragon. To know that when they do reach that point of being at half their hit point maximum, that they just, as a reaction, get to just use their breath weapon. And think about how that changes a fight, especially because if you are playing more experienced adventures, then you'd be aware that powerful creatures have this ability to have something happen when they do reach that point of visible injury. It changes things a lot. It makes most creatures that you use this with far, far more dangerous. Even a creature that isn't, you know, quite as OP as a dragon is. Like, let's just say you do this to some form of, like, a, you know, greater zombie of some sort. Like, not the actual greater zombie, but, like, a, some more powerful undead. So let's just say then that, like, they have some form of, like, let's just say that as a result of being bloodied, uh, let's just take a leaf out of the ranger's book, and let's say they just get to make one whirlwind attack, where they just get to attack every creature within five feet of them. It's not huge mechanically, but it changes the strategy and tactics of the fight. Because again, especially because all of this is homebrew, then player characters don't necessarily know what to expect. D&D 5th edition has been out for almost 10 years now? I don't actually remember exactly when it came out. 5th edition is August 19th, 2014. And okay. Yeah, so just turned seven. Oh, all right. That's right, because the 2024 evolution is the 10-year mark. Now I remember. 
But the point being, there's a lot of players that know monster abilities. Like, even if it, players have managed to avoid just reading the monster manual, just through sheer dint of experience and time, there's a lot of players that just know how things work. People know how to stop a troll's regeneration. People know that red dragons have a fire breath. People just know the abilities of monsters. And this is something that a dungeon master can incorporate into creatures. Just having that single reaction, just as a result of being bloodied, only usable you know, the first time that they get bloodied, so even if you do have something with regeneration, like you can't just spam it when it tips above and below the bloodied mark. Just, so it's just usable like once per short or long rest just to make it a bit more limited. But it is a wonderful way for dungeon masters to just change the flow of combat. Because, again, if you know how everything works, that takes some of the fun out. So this introduces a very simple mechanic, potentially, that does just make things a lot more fun in my eyes. So, introducing the bloodied mechanic in general is something that I do highly, highly recommend for PCs, for NPCs, and then to also make your players afraid of hearing that wonderful phrase, as a result of being bloodied. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to a monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook as Riffwake, and you can send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffsandrules at gmail.com.